Welcome to No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. I'm your host and executive director of No Heart Left Behind, Alicia Stickles. If we're honest, family life can be hard. Family can be our greatest blessing, but also the source of our deepest wounds. At No Heart Left Behind, we have a passion to empower families to thrive with the Word of God and the love of Christ. So each week, we're going to have real conversations about hard issues facing families today. It is our hope that you would be equipped with practical tools based on biblical principles for when life happens and relationships get messy. In other words, how do we flesh out all those Bible verses we know when life isn't looking like we had hoped? If you're in a season of family life that feels hopeless or you have a heart to navigate the challenges of family well, but just don't know how, you're in the right spot. So whether you are driving in your car or checking off one of your honeydews, pop in those earbuds and come find hope in the heart of family life with us. Welcome, friends, to another episode of No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life. My name's Alicia. I'm the host and executive director of No Heart Left Behind, and I am really excited to be kicking off this little series on a topic that I know touches a lot of people's lives, and that's uh, the topic of anxiety. And I am here in my closet uh, with my mom and founder and lead belief therapist, Abby Shields. Nice to be here. Yes. And so, mom, I... I mean, I can't wait to ask you all the questions. No, in ter- don't remember, I don't have all the answers. <laughs> in terms of um, this topic that we're going to be diving into, um, talking about anxiety. And so we're going to spend this first episode here today just talking about what it is from a biblical perspective and how to address it and deal with anxiety, but I also am really excited about some of the other things that we're going to be addressing in terms of how, as a parent, how do you help a kid with anxiety and how do you uh, support a spouse with anxiety? So a lot of really great different aspects that we're going to be jumping into. Um, I wanted to kick off the conversation first with a quote and then maybe just talk a little bit about you know, what do you see in your office in terms of anxiety and and what that is and what it's about? So there's this great uh, quote by Corey Ten Boom, and it says this. It says, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at God, you'll be at rest. Absolutely. And that's that's the whole foundational principle of from which I counsel that ultimately anything that we deal with as far as anxiety can be healed truly by the word of God and the love of Christ. And, yeah. And just understanding who he is and right. Right. And, and how we can come out on the other side and have peace. Um, because I mean, God knew that we were going to have a struggle with fear and anxiety. That's why he put over 300 scriptures in the word to remind us, do not fear, don't be anxious for anything, do not worry. And he then gives us the way to be able to do that. 
Yeah. That it's through, and then if you look at Proverbs four twenty through twenty three, once again he says, "Pay attention to my words," and that's we'll talk a little bit more about that later on. But yeah, um, if you look at God, you will ultimately be at rest and put the principles that the scriptures teach us into practice. Yeah, like I, you know, as one I've mentioned on here that you know I have struggled with anxiety my whole life. And I can still remember one of the first scriptures that, um, someone showed me to, you know, just replacing fear with truth was just Isaiah 41, 10. Do not fear for I'm with you. Do not be dismayed for I'm your God. I will strengthen you and uphold you with your righteous right hand. And, um, that's so true. What's the other one? Philippians. Do not be anxious. Is it Philippians? But Do not everything. be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and supplication, present your requests to God. And so it really is about bringing our fears to God right? Um, and, and dealing with them that way. Because like you said, you know, having fear and anxiety is... It's a natural it's thing. It's a natural thing. Right. And there's so many different things that we have fear and anxiety about. You know, fear of the future, fear of failure, fear of death, um... Fear of rejection. Yeah, those are big. Yeah. And on and then for the men, I've, they have a fear of not being possibly able to provide for their family. And that's a big stressor on them. Yeah. You know? So there's so many sources of fear and anxiety. And on some level, we all have it. But I guess my question is, and I've always wondered this as somebody who does struggle with, you know, anxiety, is why do some people have like the greater anxiety like we, we all deal with similar issues but some of us process that and deal with that differently like deal with it differently in the way we physically respond emotionally mentally spiritually because um, I never understood it's like okay why do we have you know problem x and like I will have a complete panic attack about it and the next person could be just as concerned but you know, it doesn't seem to bother them or affect their life the way, the that, way that it would. Yeah. You. Yeah. Well, you know, that's basically the nervous Nellies versus the cool cucumbers and, and the, in our responses. And so the, the, that's a great question. And it's a pretty simple answer, even though the answer can be complex based on the individual. And so there's, it's basically the process of nature versus nurture. And the nature part has to do with the genes that get passed down through your family. And then also then the, the nurture part is the experiences, things that you have experienced in your family. Because it comes out of a fear and anxiety come out of a feeling of not being safe. Mm. For example, with you. And the reason you struggled so is that with your the nurturing part of your family, you never knew what you were going to get when you walked through the door. Yeah. You didn't know if you were going to have a mother that was really angry or a mother that was really kind. And so you learned to deal with that basically by trying to control it within your own emotions. Yeah. And then my body would respond to that yeah. with the panic attacks and um, our, one of our counselors, Sarah Stogner, she's going to get into talking about the amygdala and the way the brain works and all that kind of stuff. But that's, yeah, that's another, above my pay grade. <laughs> that's another episode. So what is the difference between anxiety and fear? All right. Well, we'll start with fear because that's the, that's the 
beginning of anxiety. And so fear is an emotion that usually arises as a response to a perceived threat or danger. Okay. And it's very present oriented. And then it's temporary in duration and is based on a reasonable evaluation of the danger that quickly subsides. Let me give you an example. Okay. okay. Yeah. Cause you have... just said a lot. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, I wanted to put that all together. Uh -huh. So, so basically let's pretend you're running, you're out in the morning and you're taking a jog on a path and you look ahead and you see something, it's kind of dusk or it's dark, but you see an outline of something that looks like a snake. And so your body is going to respond to that. It's like danger, danger. That's the amygdala and all of that kind of stuff. Danger, danger, There's a, there could be a snake ahead. So then as you get closer to, to this, what you think is a snake, you find out that it is a, a stick that looks like a snake and so then immediately your body goes back into the kind of thing reaction okay so and we have all different kinds of fears that arise as a response to something that is a perceived threat and that's really important a perceived threat so it okay? doesn't have to actually be a threat no just, but in our mind right. it is a perceived right Right. Okay. And so when you say that fear is present oriented, so if we're taking our running on the path example, you're saying that as I'm running on the path and I look ahead and I see what I think is a snake, right? it, it is in the moment right now. It's not a, What's, oh, what well, let happen. me, what could it actually be? Yeah, it's probably or, a stick or. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah, that's okay. And then do you understand the temporary and duration that it, it goes, comes and goes pretty much based once you evaluate that that stick and you find out it's a stick and not a snake your body gotcha. goes back okay, okay. all righty but then anxiety is usually a response to an unrealistic threat okay and that unrealistic threat is oftentimes the it comes out of what if what if this would happen what if that would happen and you and you dwell on it and you it you basically what i call awfulizing it you blow it way out of proportion okay and so the fact of the matter is is that with anxiety the reason it become it will become a um, problem they the a disorder as some people would say is because you're you you're not being realistic about it. You're just pretending or believing that, well, what if this happens? Well, if that happens, then this could happen. And before you know it, I can remember one time I got upset with your dad. He said he would be home. At, he was going out with some guys and, uh, and he said he would be home at 11 o'clock at night. Well, he didn't get home until two in the morning. So that time between 11 and two, I had serious anxiety because I had him dead buried in the insurance money collected yeah. by, two, by the, and then he walks through the door and he's okay, but I'm angry at him because he wasn't okay or he was okay. But, but, um, anyway, I digress. So, <laughs> so you're, so if I'm understanding you correctly, you're saying fear is what alerts our mind to danger and anxiety is what we feel when our body is responding to the fear right okay right. okay and that all comes out of a heart of unbelief 
You know, right. uh, that God is acting in a good way, that God is for us, not against us. Yeah. And unfortunately, we have a tendency to interpret that God is against us when things don't go the right. way. We... And so essentially we're responding to a perceived threat. Right. Okay. Okay. So just to help drive home the difference between or how fear and anxiety kind of relate to each other, because I don't think they're completely different. There's no. just... Um, Let's let's take it back to the snake example. So where where does anxiety fit in that whole okay. s- story? All right. Well, so let's pretend that you have just watched a documentary on National Geographic and it was all about snakes. And it wasn't just about snakes, but it was about the most venomous snakes in the United States. Okay. So when that happens, anxiety will cause you to not accept invitations to go hiking because you're going to imagine that if I go hiking that I'm going to come across one of those venomous snakes. And so then you avoid, you begin to avoid remote areas and parks. You begin to not go to golf courses because there could be a venomous snake. And it just, like I said before, you awfulize it. And then you find yourself spending a lot of time planning your day so as to avoid whatever it is that you have anxiety about. Basically, bottom line, a simple way, and what I try to tell my clients is that anxiety is heightened fear. Yeah. And so then we go back into the fears and take a look at what is the, what is causing the what's anxiety. the root of right what's yeah. the root of the fear? Yeah, because I mean anxiety is so complex and it really does affect so many different parts of us. Like you know, it affects us physically and that's the first thing that's the yeah that's where it starts yeah as far as the increased heart rate shortness of breath like i always used to you know as a kid and even still like that feeling of being sick and then you get anxiety about the anxiety because you don't want to you know i just always would feel nauseous and then i would start having anxiety about being sick in front of everybody and i mean it's just it it escalated yeah so Mm -hmm. what i mean what are some of the other well, cognitively, um, fear of losing control, especially individuals who have panic attacks, that's part of the issue is that they they feel that they're out of control and that they can't get back into control. Um, and then also from that poor concentration. I know that when I get anxious sometimes that, that cognitively I have a hard time. I keep I have a hard time concentrating. I keep going back to that that I'm yes. anxious about. Yes, you know? okay. absolutely. And then um, from there, you have the uh, behavioral problems like avoidance or restlessness. Um, sometimes I know you would hyperventilate. Yeah. You would, um, we'd really have to get you to breathe. Breathe <laughs> big time. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then, and then it, it all kind of comes together, but then that emotional response basically would be feeling nervous or tense or being edgy and impatient and grouchy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I think for, <laughs> I'll say this, as I'm sitting here listening to you talk and as someone that has dealt with anxiety their entire life, I'm like, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and so, you know, hopefully out there that this is kind of, for people that don't uh, struggle with anxiety, maybe just giving them a little glimpse into what it what it feels like, where it comes from. But really what I want to spend a lot of our time, you know, because I, I feel on some level people have, um, you know, an understanding of 
what anxiety is. And so I would really love to spend most of my time with you today talking about, okay, so we know all this. What do we do about it? Like, how do we manage it? What are some... Steps, yeah, I think. Okay, well, you just said the the word that that you hate, and I I know, and you always <laughs> because the how is the hill. It's so no the who the is, who is the how. The See, how. I still am getting it wrong. So there, I come from trying to teach people that when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change, and the whole dynamic for me with Christian counseling is helping an individual look at their circumstances differently. And we have a choice every morning we wake up to either look at our circumstances through the world's perspective, because the world, the world's perspective wants to know how. Give me seven steps. And when I do these seven steps, then I'm going to be okay with anxiety. Um, but I, it doesn't operate that way because it, the issue is deeper and the, the issue is spiritual. And so the perspective I try to teach people to look at their circumstances through is God's perspective, which is the truth, all right, which is the word of God. Um, There's a definition that I learned a long time ago from the Truth Project out of uh, Focus on the Family, and they taught me that truth is God's perspective of your reality, which never changes, versus the world's perspective that changes on a drop of a dime based on how you feel. So... The way that I, the things that I want to go over with you today basically are the things that I go over with my clients in the office on helping to them deal with their anxiety. Now, it's not, we only, we're on a limited amount of time here, so I'm not going to be able to go in depth, but hopefully you'll be able to begin the process of dealing with anxiety. Yeah. And I think it's such, that's the place to start because it's like being able to identify those fears, um, that's going to change your response. Right. Um, Absolutely. So it starts with, I mean, the first step, if there, if you want steps, I'll give them to you in steps. But the, the most important thing that I start with is teaching them to fix their eyes on Jesus. Okay. One, it says in Hebrews that um, he is the author and perfecter of your faith. And faith is the opposite of fear. All righty. The more you live in faith, the less you're going to have that fear uh, control you to the degree that it, that it would. Okay. And so a story of that would in scripture would be where There's a guy by the name of Peter. He was one of Christ's disciples. I'm going to assume that some of you don't know this story. But um, he was in a boat in a storm, and Jesus comes out to them walking on the water. And he calls Peter out of the boat. You want to take over the story? No, you're doing great. (laughs) So he calls him out of the boat. And so Peter steps out of the boat, and he he has his eyes on Jesus, and he begins to walk on the water, which blows me away. I can't even begin to imagine what he was thinking. Like, holy cow. So then as he's walking towards Jesus, keeping his eye on him, All of a sudden, a storm comes up and the waves begin to get rough and the wind begins to blow and um, he gets he takes his eyes off Jesus and begins to look at his surroundings. And as soon as he did that, he began to sink. And the great news is Jesus was there to, you know, he reached up to Jesus and Jesus picked him up out of the water. But the lesson there is, is that all of us live in storms of some sort. And so uh, if you 
keep your eye on Christ, he will help you get through that. He'll hold on to you with his hand. His, you know, it's, and it's him holding on to us. It's not us holding on to Jesus. Yes, okay. that is the reassuring part. Mm-hmm. And I think and I think it's important to point out is that like when you say fix your eyes on Jesus, what we're talking about fixing their eyes on is who he is, yeah. like his character. Um, you know, that he is a comforter, that he is a provider, that he is a protector, that he is enough, that he is all of these things. So, you know, for listeners out there, it's like, well, okay, I'm looking at a picture of Jesus. Like, what is that supposed to, like, to fix our eyes on Jesus means to remember who he is, you know, and that no matter the storm, no matter the thing that's triggering our anxiousness, one, he's in it with us, and two, he's bigger than it. Right. And being able to... He's bigger than the storm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's great. Thanks, Elise. Yeah. All right. So that it starts with that. And then the second thing I would say would be to remember where fear comes from. Okay. I mean, God reminded us over 300 times not to fear, so then if... That fear cannot be from God. Who is it from? The enemy. The enemy. Yeah. Okay. And basically what he does. Yeah. The accuser. Any other names? The opposer. Okay. (laughs) All right. So he gets us not to trust God's plan. That's basically what fear is because we don't feel that God is big enough to take care of the circumstances. I think our our sin has a tendency to dumb down God, to uh, make him smaller than he really is. And, um, you know, one of the ways that I look to expand my perspective of God is to, and to overcome fear is to get into God's word. I mean, I think that it's so important to fight fear with God's (laughs) word, you know, and because truth is so important because it reveals that's where you can get to know who God is. What are some of the things that you find out about God in his, in his word? Well, I mean, you find out the nature of God, you find out his character, what the purposes are, you know, how suffering and hardship, you know, because for me, I think the thing that was always hard was that, okay, like I, I'm anxious. I can trust God, but like sometimes the bad thing still happens or the thing that I'm awfulizing in my mind still happens. Still happens. And so it's like these scriptures about who God is were not that comforting to me. It, or I'll say it didn't help my anxiety. No. When somebody has that question, like, why do bad things, I prayed and, and they still died, or I prayed and the house didn't sell or whatever. And I try to explain to them, especially through scripture, Second Corinthians chapter 1, 8 through 12 talks about the purpose of pain is so that we would learn not to rely on ourselves, but on God. Another purpose that God showed us the, in scripture for the purpose of pain is James chapter 1, 2 through 6, where it basically pain and struggles um, can help us learn to persevere so that we can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's spiritual maturity, not physical maturity, because that's the goal. And then the other one, there's another one. I mean, I, I could go on and on with scriptures, but the third one that I'll give you is um, 
1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9, and that's basically where he's talking about your faith of greater worth than gold, all right, is being refined like fire so that you receive the goal of your faith, which is the salvation of your soul. And that means where you think, feel, and act less like yourself to thinking, feeling, and acting more like Jesus. Yeah, and, and the, I think too, like for me, just personally, realizing that, yes, the bad thing that I'm awfulizing in my mind could happen. I think where the peace came was realizing that even if like that game, worst case scenario, (laughs) even if the worst case scenario did happen, I came to a place of believing that God would be enough in it. And that was where the peace came was that, okay, the peace doesn't come based on whether the bad thing happens or not. The peace comes in knowing that Jesus is big enough to carry me if the bad thing happens. And so, I mean, he's already disarmed the worst thing that could happen to us, which is death. And so if he has disarmed that through his resurrection, then there really is nothing to fear because the worst thing has already been defeated. Right. I don't know that. I don't know if that helps anybody, but that is, has brought a lot of peace and, um, healing for my journey with, with anxiety. Right. Yep. You, you truly can talk on this <laughs> more from experience than I can. Cause I've not, I never had debilitating anxiety. And so I'm really glad for your input into this. Yeah. And I mean, I think prayer plays a huge, huge, huge <laughs> part of, man, you're rubbing off of me, um, plays a really big part in this because it's like we get in our anxiety worry moments and not that we realize it, but like we don't bring that worry and that anxiety to God in conversation, in prayer. Right. We try to fix it ourselves Mm -hmm. and you know and we just don't bring it to him and we don't and we don't give god enough time to to act we take things into our own hands rather quickly i mean story after story too that i can talk about in scripture one is with daniel and when the the king nebuchadnezzar was gonna kill everybody because he couldn't nobody was interpreting his dream um, Daniel went back to his buddies and said, let's hit our knees and pray. And he prayed and prayed and prayed. And ultimately, God answered his prayer and gave him the interpretation of the dream where he was able then to go and tell them what the, and what the dream was. And another, another one is in um, 2 Kings chapter 5, no, chapter 6, 8 through 17. That's the story of the king of Aram at war with the king of Israel. And um, long story short, the servant... Uh, wakes up one morning and looks out and the king of Aram surrounded the city where he and Elijah were and they um, uh, he went running to the to Elijah and the thing that I noticed about this story is that every time the servant said something Elijah prayed and there was a response and so I'm I'm a firm believer in praying you know but also and I think I've said this before in the podcast is that sometimes when we pray, God does not always answer. And like you said, 
um, it, he doesn't always say yes. He'll say no or not yet. But like you said, knowing that God is big enough to carry you through it, what the worst thing. Um, that's why I believe so strongly in prayer. Yeah, because, I mean, if God is only good enough for when the situation works out the way we want it to, then that is not... That is that is the world's peace that's based on circumstances. Like the whole amazing part of the gospel is that we could have peace despite our circumstances right. and we can trust him despite everything that's going on around us. Right. And so that helps to, um, I guess, not trigger that mm-hmm. that anxiety. So what do you feel like? And I feel like we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but. What do you feel like it's important for people to understand, um, you know, when it comes to dealing with anxiety? I think, first of all, to understand our divine priority and what does that mean? And bottom line, the divine priority for us is our spiritual purpose, okay? That we exist for a higher reason. I think we think we exist to make to be present here in this world yeah. and make money. We get and, very here focused. Yes, right. Okay. But it's really important for you to understand that our job is to live for his glory, to bring glory to God, that if I live, that in, that in God, I live and move and have my being. And so if you can just wrap your head around that and get, get, heavenly focused and uh, eternal focused versus worldly focused it really is an amazing thing to help you be able to not have so much anxiety is that if god gave you life which he did then he has a purpose for you to fill and that's the goal over your years is to find out what that purpose is but scripture says our purpose is to be an imitator of god and that we are called to be christ's ambassadors so it's in that the foundation of that that you have your divine priority and um ultimately i think i've said this before is that the reason you live the reason you live is to live out christ that he'll sustain you to the end i mean psalm 23 the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then scripture after scripture in, in um, Matthew chapter 6, 25 through to the end of the chapter about not worrying and all of that and knowing that, that our, divine prior, our divine priority is to, bottom line, radiate Christ. Okay, Know, know that you exist for a higher reason. And then the other thing is, I think uh, we forget um, where God wants us to understand his divine provision, okay? One of the scriptures, I don't know what the address is, but it's the, the earth is the Lord's and all that's in it, that everything that we have comes from God, everything, and that it's all his, and that he giveth and he can taketh away. I mean, he is the guy He's the geeter with the heater. I mean, he really is in that fact that he loves us. His divine provision is for our good and ultimately his glory as well. If he takes care of the birds, he will take care of us. If he takes care of the grass, he takes care of us. What other else? What other? I mean, I, I don't know. It's just such a part of me to trust that God, God's in charge of my life, um, to just understand my purpose and to understand his provision. Yeah. And I just think, again, I I love what you said just about shifting your focus, right? Because it, I mean, 
if you if you don't have that higher perspective of eternity and then it it makes sense why you would be anxious looking around at our circumstances i mean we live in a broken world and our and you know there are things about how we respond to things that are broken and so it makes a lot of sense to um be be anxious if all of our focus and perspective is on here and now but having the truth of you know that um we have a higher calling have a higher calling have you know um a creator that is looking over everything and the promises of Matthew 6 that talk about like that if he if he takes care of the birds of the air and the grass of the field and all of those things like how much more valuable are we, we than those things and but it comes down to trusting that and i think mm-hmm. that's ultimately where we want to land with encouragements for people that are dealing with anxiety is taking a look at do you believe what you believe is really real? You know, is it just lip service? Do you believe what you believe is really real? And to me, that's that's been, you know, things that I've had to wrestle within myself as someone that has anxiety is like, okay, what am I really believing in this moment right now? And being able to name that thing that I'm really believing in the moment and being able to tell God that because I think sometimes it's like we try to give God the right answer and he doesn't want the right answer. He wants the real answer because he wants our hearts and it's like he can't heal what we won't confront. And so like if I won't name the thing that's really causing me the fear, then I will always have anxiety over it because I won't give it to him to heal. Um, I mean, because that's that's where the root of worry and anxiety comes from is unbelief mm-hmm. yeah yep you know there are things that we don't believe about god and then there's things that um we don't believe about um but, who he says we are you know and that can trigger a lot of the physical responses you know that it starts the fear and it triggers triggers the fear physical responses that play itself out in anxiety there's a passage that you like to talk about. Yeah, that's the one. I think I I already talked about it some, but it's Hebrews 3.19, where it says they didn't enter the promised land because of their unbelief. Yeah. And I think that's true today, is that we can have the promised land of the fruit of the Spirit, and because anxiety is not a fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. So when I am uh, living in my flesh or in my self self-centeredness or whatever i'm not and self-focused i'm not going to have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control which are all the fruit of the spirit i'm going to have anxiety and fear and bitterness and anger and rage and aggression and all of that so um i lived too many years 42 years of my life from the anger rage bitterness you know, all of those things. And, and after accepting Christ, um, I began that journey of the, over the last 31 years of getting to know him, getting to not just know about him, but to really know him, to be able then to live my life in such a way 
that I can pass on the message uh, of hope and um, love to those who have not experienced that. Good, good stuff. So So I want to end this with the way we started it. The way we started it with, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at God, you'll be at rest. And that's by Corey Ten Boone. And those are wonderful words to live by. Yeah, they really are. Okay, it is time for our Counselor's Corner segment. And this is the segment where we get to ask our resident belief therapists um, questions from our listeners. And this one actually is very appropriate because it goes along with um, our topic today. And basically, Lauren writes in and she says, I have noticed that my son uh, has some issues with anxiousness. At what point do I know if he needs counseling or not? I think when you begin to see, remember, I, when you begin to see signs and symptoms that are a little bit more extreme than just basic worry or fear. Um, one, they're unable to concentrate. Uh, maybe their grades start to slip. They can't stay focused. Um, Sometimes people, and and I'd hate to give a general answer to every, because each child is different, but maybe if I give enough examples, if you begin to see these on a consistent basis, not just once or twice, but on a consistent basis, um, that's when I would begin to call the counselor. Maybe they they shut down, um, they stay isolated, they stay in their room a lot. Um, Did I mention stop eating? No, I don't think so. Right. Um, they stop eating. They stop. If if your child has been a communicator and all of a sudden they stop communicating, that could be a sign. So like behavior changes. Yeah, behavior changes. Right. And then mood changes as well. Um, they used to be a happy-go-lucky kind of person and now they're sulky and crying or yeah. that type of stuff. So um, it just depends on the, the, degree, the degree to which they are. Um, exhibiting these symptoms. Yeah. yeah, and it seems to me too, like when when it becomes unmanageable or life altering, mm-hmm. kind of, and you know, summing up what you said, just about you know they were this way and now they're that way. They're mm-hmm. isolating, and it just becomes more uh, than the tools that the child right. has been given. Like those tools aren't working right. and they're not helping. That's I feel like that's a lot of times when we see um, people call us um, for help. Yeah. So. so, I mean, and then trust your mama gut. Um, I never tell people what to do because, I, especially with mamas, because mamas, uh, they trust their gut and they, they know their child best more than I do. So take that advice as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Thank you so much for joining us on No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. We hope you felt seen, encouraged, and just a little more equipped to love your family well. 
If you want to learn more about No Heart Left Behind, be sure to check out our website, www.noheartleftbehind.com, or visit the link in the show notes. If you love the podcast, we would love it if you would follow us on your favorite podcast player. And if you love this episode, please share it with a friend. Your encouragement is not just for our egos. It really helps others find the show and encourages them to check it out. Mother Teresa said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. So until we see you again next week, go home and be a world changer.